0: Good morning everybody, this is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by Two Ways, One Passion Feed Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Lots of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and Unified America, and obviously you know the Unified America part, tongue in cheek, for those that are tuning into the show for the first time, but yeah, as we hit what kind of went from last week to kind of being a spot where there wasn't a lot to talk about. now there's a lot of stuff to get into kind of at the same time. You got the start of the baseball playoffs. You got the NFL season another week alive. NHL about to get started tonight. And obviously the big decision made by the governor of California, which very well may change um, amateur status amongst college athletes and set what is going to be a separation, a complete separation between the student and the athlete and I think that's something very valuable to talk about um, as always this show belongs to you so anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and unified America you can drop a comment uh, on Facebook Live or Periscope you give the show a call if you want we got this dusty old phone here and you know amongst the different things we're going to talk about today some we'll do some nfl picks i'm going to do my postseason preview which we held off last week so far and uh, i i made my picks live as of a couple days ago so my washington pick over milwaukee obviously in a game that could have gone either way Uh, um is a Small notch on my belt, but we'll see how the rest of the postseason goes. And I do want to get your postseason picks too. Who do you guys have won in the World Series this year? Obviously, it's very top heavy. If you're talking about Houston and the Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers, Minnesota Twins, 100, another hundred win team, first time in baseball history you had four 100 win teams and four 100 loss teams. And how much of the other now? seven or six remaining teams that aren't the Yankees or the Astros or the Dodgers have a legitimate chance to win the World Series this year? I think that's something that's very very good to think about because you can break down these teams and talk about the talents, the positives and the negatives that they have, but can any of them really match up with what we call the top three? Like I said, NFL picks coming up in a little bit. The first thing I really wanted to talk about today, and I feel like it needs to be addressed. You you have the governor in California deciding to enact a law that's going to allow for college athletes to be able to profit off of their namesake. Now, he did make it to where it's nothing in regards to them being paid to play, but at the same time, it is kind of paying them to play. And you find that obviously athletes at the collegiate level whether they're playing basketball or football really have an advantage over the other student athletes that go through all types of different colleges. And I think that's something that that's basic and we understand, but I don't think it gets put out there enough because we don't I don't think we talk about it that much because we say, "All right, it makes sense at least On the surface to talk about, hold on, allowing for the athletes that play certain sports to be compensated because of the amount of revenue that they bring in to an individual school. And I think there's some truth to that but there's also a negative side of it and we're talking about the status the status of amateur athletes really being at risk to ever be able to exist again and i think there is a separation between the student and the athlete the amateur and the professional which we may say that the athletes especially the basketball and the football players in college end up generate ridiculous revenues for each one of these schools and the major schools obviously the major conferences the ones that are centered around having you know their big time basketball and football programs make a ton of money off of the namesake of these players and the thought has always been and it's been something that I've contested and I've been in support of to a certain point you know that the millions, and in some cases, billions of dollars that these schools generate off of the namesake of these players aren't necessarily shared fairly. And the one example that I made, and I talked about the old Fab Five with Michigan college basketball, you know, Chris Weber, his number four jersey became at one point one of the highest selling jerseys in the entire United States of America. So, It was selling more than most NBA jerseys. His number four Michigan jersey that obviously didn't have his name on the back for a reason, but everybody knew that the number four Michigan jersey was Chris Webber's. So the fact that he couldn't, even in a trust or something that could be taken after he's done going to school, was not able to share in any sort of profits to those jersey sales, I thought... I thought it was borderline criminal. And you've seen many other examples of college athletes, you know, college football players, college basketball players that have watched jersey sales for their individual player jerseys go through the roof, compete with that of oh, professional sports, and not receive a dime for it. But I think there's a fine line that we gotta talk about because. The most important thing that we talk about when we talk about college and college athletics is the education that's involved there. And we may, we may take it a little too far when we talk about our love for college football and our love for college basketball and how much it means to us you know, individually as fans. And people say, hey, you can, you can follow college football and just the realness of the game and the way it's played is more enjoyable to watch than that of the NFL. And a lot of that I agree with up to certain points. But the entire and a good amount of people in this country have lost track and lost sight of what these football and basketball programs are there to be part of. And this may be the one part of what I've been saying that people are going to disagree with, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. Colleges exist for one thing. It's to shape the minds of the young that are going to the school and provide for an education. Sports, as obviously they've gained a a bunch of power over the years, are, in fact, another form of extracurricular activity that keep college players occupied while they're going to school. And you can talk about the history of NCAA football, how it started in the you know 19th century, and the value of it, and how college football was probably stronger than pro football up through the late parts of the 1930s and 1940s, and that's, that's a fact. But it doesn't hide from the fact that the origins of any extracurricular activity, especially sports, was there to give students an option to do something else in addition to getting their education. So when we're talking about any sort of compensation that's involved with college athletes, we got to be careful for what you wish for. Because how does that not apply to any other extracurricular activity, let alone any other sport? Now, basically reading over what this governor of, of California is looking to enact and possibly other sets of legislature throughout the country is going to be pretty similar to this, maybe in other states, and obviously the California law will not start until 2023, it's basically saying that the name of the player, anything that that player is doing in addition to playing the sport, they can receive some sort of profit off of it. Whether it's jersey sales, whether it's appearances that they make, it expands to other sports where you talk about, let's say, a swimmer, a really good swimmer in college can get paid and compensated for lessons. But it also should apply to other extracurricular activities, including the most important part, which is educating if if a if a education major that's going to college anywhere in the country wants to do lessons for other students or for off campus students on campus or anything like that they should be compensated for it as well so i don't think it should just apply to the world of college football and basketball and we obviously talked about college football and basketball because they are the really most lucrative entities that aren't involved specifically with education anywhere in the world of college period college football and college basketball we understand make millions and millions and if not in some cases with some schools billions of dollars for those individual schools now to say hey forget about the kids have the schools profit and get 100% of all the money from the likeness of the player, we understand that there has to be some sort of line drawn at some point. I believe that the possibility should exist that athletes should receive some sort of compensation. But I think it applies to sales of jerseys as opposed to just the popularity of one's name. And I always refer to the Chris Weber jersey from the University of Michigan just because of the popularity of it and how many jerseys were sold and how many were sold in comparison to, let's say, you know, the Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or, you know, any top NBA player at that time. It was a top five selling jersey compared to anybody in the NBA. And like I said, the fact that Chris Weber was not allowed to receive any sort of royalty or profit off of the sale of that jersey was not cool. So I am a little torn here, because I do think that there is a separation between students and athletes in a world of college sports. And the most important thing that doesn't get stressed enough is the importance of the education to the young men and women that are going to college. You're there for one reason. you could say, hey, over the last several years, you know, star athletes, whether it's basketball players, of course the NCAA has the rule that forces every basketball player to be eligible or to be eligible for the NBA draft to have to play in college for one year, which is, I think is a pretty much a joke. You're basically forcing people to go to college and in some cases don't want to go to college. But then you wanna throw the other side of what I just said of the importance of the education. I think that's something that should change. The option should exist for somebody to go to college or to not go to college. Because what you have now is a separate set of standards for each one of these student athletes. If you're more of an athlete than a student, there's a chance that you're gonna have an easier curriculum than somebody that's more of a student than an athlete. Especially if the goal is, hey, to come there and be there for one year and then go to the NBA draft the next year. So we're going to touch on this topic a couple times over the course of the next couple weeks. Obviously, we'll follow up on what's going on in the state of California. The law that was put into place won't start until 2023. The NCAA's response and everything else. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights, granted by the World Wide Web and the solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of a show without the express... <coughs> excuse me... written consent of the past show, JohnPialli.com and JohnPialli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charge and admission for showing, is similarly prohibited. So... You look at the group of six now, in regards to Major League Baseball managers, teams deciding to change and move on from their managers, could go up to as many as eight, we'll find within the next couple days, maybe within the next week or so, whether the New York Mets are going to move on from Mickey Calloway and the Philadelphia Phillies are going to move on from Gabe Kapler, Um, and it really depends on where your reporting is coming from. You know, there's the thought that hey, the longer it is in both of these situations, the less of a chance that each one of these teams will move on from their manager. But there's other people that are, you know, feel the exact opposite and feel that both moves are imminent. Now, I've said before, and listen, it wouldn't be a pass ball show for me to tell you if I didn't tell you that a major league baseball manager is the least valuable coaching or leadership position in all of professional sports, let alone most sports. You know, the manager has been castrated, the manager has really been held to the role of a guidance counselor. And I want to talk about each one of these managers evaluating the jobs that they've done. And I'll start out with Mickey Calloway. And I said right off the bat when Mickey Callaway was hired as the New York Mets manager that his job was to be the guidance counselor and he he basically backed that up during his press conference when he said that he is going to love his players more than any manager has ever loved his players and over the course of this season he reinforced positivity to his team got his players to play hard for him got his players to give everything they got was a players manager was very well respected by his players So if his role was just to be the guidance counselor, which I've suggested that his job was overall, then he did his job. If the rest of his job was handed to him, like we talked about last week, we talked about the catcher that prefers to call the game or the pitcher that prefers to have the catcher call the game as opposed to the pitcher that calls the game himself. You know, front offices set up certain structures to where the game is handed to the manager, and his job is just to implement it. So if his job is to be the guidance counselor, then Mickey Calloway did his job. Gabe Kapler, if his job as the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies was to be a guidance counselor, you could question, especially in the month of September in 2018 and the months of August and September of 2019, whether the players really bought into it. And he had the support of his players, whether he was a player's manager at all. And I think that could be the difference between Gabe Kapler keeping his job and Mickey Callaway keeping his job. But like I said, it's more of a matter of what the interpretation is. There's many out there to think that every single thing that didn't go right for the New York Mets was the fault of Mickey Callaway. Just because... The manager has to sit there and take these stupid questions from the press every single day and is not going to separate every one of his answers and say, hey, that was Jared Banner's fault. That was Adam Guttrude's fault. That was Brody Van Wagenen's fault. Brody texted me in the game and told me to take Jacob DeGrom out of the game. Nobody's going to say that if they want to keep their job. Mickey Calloway starts saying that in his press conference. He's going to lose his job. That's part of the agreement that he took when he became the manager of the Mets. Number one, he's going to be the guidance counselor. Number two, he's going to be the voice of the team. And basically, when I say the team, I don't mean the players that he's managing. I mean the team of the front office and analytics staff that are making the decisions for him. So it's very interesting to see how this is working out. Because you look at some other places, and we talk about losing the clubhouse, Clint Hurdle, has really gotten a reputation as one of the better managers in all Major League Baseball, certainly considered a player manager. I've asked players, and they basically gush at how great Clint Hurdle is with his players. And you see the example of what happened in Pittsburgh with, you know, Kyle Crick kind of losing his mind and just being an outright jerk. Everybody knows now of what Felipe Vasquez was up to the dysfunction that existed in the clubhouse, whether Clint Hurdle was a nice guy or not, at some point you have to make a change to address that. And Clint Hurdle will get another job in Major League Baseball. Bruce Bochy moving on from San Francisco, maybe he'll take another job in Major League Baseball. Joe Madden leaving the Cubs. Will he take the job with the Angels? We'll see how that works out. You know, San Diego and Andy Green. He may not have, in the minds of general manager A.J. Preller, gotten enough out of that team. The expectations may have been a little higher. It's time to maybe bring a more experienced manager into San Diego. Kansas City, Ned Yost, retired. Right? Maybe Mike Matheny gets the job, the former cardinal manager. Or maybe they decide that they want to go through a more thorough search. But managers in Major League Baseball, like I said, don't have the power that they used to have. And one of the things that you see very clearly is the move from the old guard to the new guard. You look at guys like Joe Girardi, and Joe Girardi basically is letting it it be known that he wants to be a Major League Manager. He wants one of these jobs. And I know this is crazy to say, because Joe Girardi certainly has the qualifications to be a Major League Manager right now. I'm not 100% certain he's going to get a job. Teams... Are staying away from a couple things. Number one, the amount of money that a manager is being paid in Major League Baseball is as low as it's ever been. They're paying it managers are getting to a point, for the exception of very few, of uh, less than a million dollars a year. And we're talking about some of the top managers in Major League Baseball. So they're not paying managers for the premium because basically they're not having they don't have the same responsibilities. So Yeah, there's that aspect of it, and then there's the other aspect of they don't want a manager to want to demand too much responsibility and control. There's no manager that's going to kind of be, you know, one in 1A with the general manager. A manager is just one of a group in a decision-making process. You think Buck Showalter would want to do that? You think even Bruce Bochy, who I'm sure would love to be a manager again, Joe Madden, the same thing? You know, how far would these guys go in regards to the reduction of the roles that they already have? And Joe Girardi, he wants to be a Major League Baseball manager, but how much, not just in pay, but how much in the grand scheme of his job of a manager and his responsibilities, is he willing to concede to take that job to be behind a bench as a Major League manager? And we go back. And we talk about, let's say, you know, Bill Parcells, and you think of some of the great coaches, whether it's Phil Jackson or anybody out there like that, and you realize that coaches coach. That's what they're there to do. Sometimes their time may run out in a certain situation or a certain area or a place, but they're they're meant to coach, and that's why you see the greats if they end up losing a job or moving on from a job, always well, we seem to come back because that's what they were meant to do. You know, Bill Belichick, if he was let go or he decided to leave the New England Patriots this year, I bet you within a couple of years he'd be coaching again. Urban Meyer leaves Ohio State. Was, would it shock you in, a, in another year or a couple of years if he was coaching somewhere else again? Coaches, coach. But it's different in baseball because managers now have to make the choice of how much do they want to be a major league manager, but a major league manager upon the definition in 2019, which we know is more of a guidance counselor than a person that's actually making decisions on the field. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know no brand produced by any other brewer, that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces a taste of smoothness and drinkability, you'll find it no beer at any cost. So, I, I did some, uh, as far as through Twitter, my Major League Baseball postseason predictions. And I wanted to make sure all the matches matchups were set before I did it. Watched the Milwaukee game, an exciting game. Um, kind of a, a preview of what I think we're going to see a lot of in the postseason. We talk about teams that are relying so heavily on their relievers. And like I said, the more that you go to your relievers, whether it's the same opponent or different opponent, the more of a chance they are to be a little off their game. The more of a chance that they are to be a little more overused. And the more a reliever goes in a series against an opponent, the advantage is going to go to the opponent to the opponent a little bit more every time. So I'd be a little concerned when we talk about bullpens as they're set up in the Major League Baseball postseason because, you know, you can talk about the Yankees having the best bullpen, and they, they may. I think it's legitimate enough to say that the Yankees' bullpen is the best in Major League Baseball, but if they are used just about every single game or two games in a row or two days in a row, Upon two days in a row, upon two days in a row, the advantage is going to go to the hitters. And if you talk about the Yankees playing a potential five game series against the Minnesota Twins, <coughs> excuse me, and a potential seven game series against the Houston Astros, there's a chance that the Yankees' relievers could be used to a point where it could be a detriment to that team. So, you saw Josh Hader, kind of not having it. After having another really good season, maybe a season that wasn't up to what he did in 2018, but it was it was very good. He was a solid reliever. He was the Brewers' closer for the entire season. He did a great job. Walked a guy, hit a guy, give up a bloop, but most importantly, a hard line drive base hit off the bat of Juan Soto, which ended up winning the game for the Washington Nationals. So I see a lot of other relievers potentially being in situations like this and I'll say the team that I believe can go all the way is the team that's gonna get the most length out of their starting pitchers. So you saw my prediction with Washington in a wild card game. Oakland against Tampa Bay. I think it's gonna be interesting. You know, how far do the athletics go with showing Mania? You know, do they double up and go Mania to Fires or something like that, pretty similar to the way the Nationals went from Scherzer to Stroudsburg? be interesting to see how they do that. Obviously, the Athletics have a fairly deep bullpen more one more kind of leaning on Liam Hendricks than some of the other guys that they relied upon last year. But I think in a toss-up, I'm going to go Oakland because they're at home and I feel this is a season where the Athletics can take that next step and move into a division series round. So, the AL the S. I got the Yankees over the Twins. It's pretty hard. I think the Twins can give them a little bit of a fight, but I think it's crazy to say that the Twins can beat the Yankees in a five-game series. The Yankees have a better group of starting pitchers. Obviously, their bullpen's a lot better. Offensively, they may be about the same. You may even want to give the Twins a little bit of an edge, but the all-around team, the better all-around team is the New York Yankees. And the same thing you say about the Houston Astros against the Oakland Athletics. The Athletics may give them a little bit of a fight because they saw them 19 times during the regular season, but the Astros, as far as the roster construction, are probably the better overall team. I got the Astros beating the Yankees in the ALCS because of the length of the starters. Now, if you talk about guys like, excuse me, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, if they're going to go a little deeper into games, and maybe Aaron Boone and the Yankees analytical staff opens it up for those guys to go a little deeper in the games, then I think that'll put a little bit less pressure on the Yankees' bullpen. But i got a feeling the Yankees are going to overuse their bullpen and they're going to overuse their bullpen against the Houston Nationals. Now, that Yankee, you know, apologist or that Yankee fan or that person that's going to try to tell me that I'm wrong right now is going to say, well, over the course of the entire season the New York Yankees didn't pitch a relief pitcher more than two days in a row. And that's true. But it doesn't mean that they can't be overused in the postseason. And I'll make a case that last year, I know the Yankees were only around through the division round against the Boston Red Sox last year, but they overused their relievers. And if they go and they do that again, then I think the Houston Astros are going to have a distinct advantage because the expectation is that their starters are going to go deeper in the games than the Yankees are. So I got Houston representing the American League. The NL talked about the wild card game, Washington winning. I got Atlanta beating the St. Louis Cardinals. And then my first upset is going to be Washington over Los Angeles Dodgers. Now I got Washington beating the Dodgers basically off the strength of their starting pitching as we hit what we'll call the halfway point here on the past fall show. The fall show is brought to you by JohnPLA.com my two-ways, one-passion food truck by oh, St. church and school in Jackson, New Jersey. You look at Scherzer, you look at Stroudsburg and you look at Corbin, I think they match up very well with Ryu and Kershaw and Buell. Now, you wanna say, hey, gun to your head, who are you taking? Maybe I'm taking the LA guys, but I think the Washington three can hang right up there with what you're getting from the LA Dodgers. Now the Dodgers have a better bullpen. I think from an offensive standpoint, you could say that they're pretty even. Maybe the edge goes slightly to the Dodgers. But we also know as the postseason goes on that there are very few times that things are going to work out the way that they're expected to. And we could talk about that all day. We could say, hey, in you know, the top seeds are all going to go. We could talk about the NCAA tournament in college basketball and how come the four number one seeds don't just meet in the final four. We can talk about the seeds in football, how the number one seed team with home field advantage in a National Football League is not guaranteed an opportunity to go to and win the Super Bowl. Same thing applies to Major League Baseball. Somebody's getting picked off. If it's not the Dodgers, it's going to be the Astros or the Yankees. Somebody's not going to make it to the League Championship Series. I promise you that. And I feel like the Dodgers are the most vulnerable at this point Maybe from a content standpoint, they're used to being there. They feel comfortable. They're used to being there every single year. Maybe they take it for granted. I don't know. Nobody's going to ever say that they take it for granted. But most of the Washington Nationals are in a position where they are going to kind of feel like this may be their one last shot or one opportunity. Their backs are against the wall. They're 0-4 in Division Series with a lot of them with some of the players that have been there for the entire time. Strasburg's been there the entire time. A couple other guys, you know, were back there in 2012, not, not that many others. But the bottom line is the Nationals' reputation is to get to the division round and then lose. I think this is gonna be an upset. So give me Washington over LA. Braves over the Nationals. So I got the Astros over the Braves in the World Series. Just a reminder that Castro provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. Castro engineered for today's smaller cars. Now we look at the NFL picks from last week. Went three and two. So pretty good week. We are sitting here at 13 and 10 through four weeks of the National Football League season. And we're gonna try to get it done really quick. Couple things that stood out to me in this week's games, week number five of the National Football League season. New England at Washington, minus 15.5 on the road, and I think they're going to cover. The Washington Redskins, still no definitive uh, action whether Dwayne Haskins is going to be their quarterback. He probably will be, but this Redskins team is bad. And I think you look at the New England Patriots coming off of a victory last week, but a little bit of a disappointment. They didn't go out there and blow out the Buffalo Bills. I think they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder this week. Tom Brady had a bad week. I think he's going to come out strong. Give me New England, minus 15 and a half at Washington. Another game I'm going to jump on, Philadelphia at home against the New York Jets. Still no Sam Darnold. The Jets, after a couple weeks, look like they are so much of a worse team than anybody would have imagined when the season started. Part of it is because Darnold isn't there. Part of it because C.J. Mosley isn't there. You can question whatever you want, but give me Philadelphia minus 13.5 at home against the Jets. Next game, I looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers last week and you're going to wonder, hey, was their defense that good or was the Cincinnati Bengals just that bad? Well, the second part of that I'm going to answer in a second. But I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers come off with a very big win. And one that may give them a little bit of confidence coming up for a home game. We're going to be playing the Baltimore Ravens. The adrenaline's going to be up. I think they're going to go out there. These two teams hate each other. I can see the Steelers coming up with a big performance. Mason Rudolph, good game last week. Steelers defense showed up last week. And Baltimore coming up. We're to so we'll be Pittsburgh plus three and a half at home against Baltimore. Next game, I'm going to pick on the Cincinnati Bengals because we're talking about some of the worst teams in the National Football League. Talk about the Washington Redskins, we're talking about the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, obviously. But another team that really ain't that good is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the Arizona Cardinals going on the road. A little bit of momentum. Larry Fitzgerald kind of slowly putting up numbers like he always does. Kyler Murray, the quarterback there. Start of a new regime, a new generation of Arizona Cardinal football. Give me the Cardinals plus three and a half at Cincinnati. Last game, I want to pick out another team that I don't think is so good, and that's the Denver Broncos. Give me the Los Angeles Chargers minus six and a half at home against Denver. So that is the Passball Show picks for week number five in the National Football League season. So last thing I wanted to bring up, talk a little bit about the National Hockey League, about to get started. And i got to be honest, this isn't, is I don't consider myself in any way, shape, or form an expert when it comes to the National Hockey League. I do try to follow some things. Now look at the Las Vegas Golden Knights in their third year in the National Hockey League. Went to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year. A deep run in the playoffs last year. And seemed to me to be as good of a team, if not, to come out of the Western Conference again. Be interesting to see how it works out. On the local front, you got the Rangers who are rebuilding. Obviously, you got Capo Kako, the second overall pick. Yeah, Panarin, the guy that they signed, you know, certainly is going to make them better. The New Jersey Devils, a trade for P.K. Subban, taking Jack Hughes with the number one overall pick. So we'll see how it works out. But obviously, we'll get more into hockey over the next couple weeks. A little bit of a recap of the show today, talking about the NCAA, the pay for play thing. And I think there really is a separation between the students and the athletes now. And why should the athletes be treated so much different than the students? In other words, if a student from an academic standpoint had the ability to make themselves money by doing or, you know, from an intellectual standpoint, standing out, they should be able to make money too. It shouldn't be something that just benefits the athletes. Because in the end, what do people go to college for? And I know there's a misconception. But it's still about the education. That's the reason that college exists, for academics. Talking a little bit about managers in Major League Baseball, you know how I feel about that. NFL picks, um, MLB postseason picks, they'll all be up on JohnPLA.com. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com by two ways, one Passion food truck. Located in Scranton, Pennsylvania by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Hope everybody has a good weekend. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.